This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more. Welcome to The Way Forward. This is Jack Otter, Barron's Editor-at-Large, with Lori Van Dusen, founder and CEO of LVW Advisors. We're checking in with advisors each week to see how they are doing to manage through this crisis. So let's start right there, Lori. How are you doing? Well, thanks for asking, Jack. I, um, I'm doing fine. So it's, uh, it's very different in a way, but um, I'm pretty used to it at this point. So <laughs> Yeah, we're what, 26 days in, something like that? <laughs> right. Who's right. counting? Yeah. Uh, so I know that you are a marathoner, um, and are you getting out and training? I assume that would kind of clear your head, might be helpful in times like this? Um, I am training every day. And um, as you know, I like all of us, I travel a great deal. I'm completely comfortable working remotely. And usually I'm working from places that are very distracting, like airplanes, hotels, coffee shops. So sure. my home is really, you know, comfortable and quiet and peaceful and uh, more peaceful than most of the places that I, I work remotely from. So staying, you know, disciplined um, with working out and running, and it definitely gives me great headspace and some peace every day. But um, this is pretty productive, as painful as it is for everyone. I think it's it's pretty productive. Uh, so what what is your work from home setup? Uh, multiple screens, Bloomberg, uh, how do you keep the dogs <laughs> and the rest of the family at bay? Well, I feel really fortunate. We have this 1885 farmhouse and I'm in the, the far the south end of the house, and I'm pretty much isolated from the rest of the house and and the noise. So it is pretty it is pretty peaceful. Um, I start super early in the morning, and then I squeeze my workout or my run in. And and like a lot of people in our industry, I'm working pretty late every night. It feels very productive, um, but I think you know it's it's about as um, a good a setup as you could get. And here in, you know, upstate New York where I am, um, it's it's nice because you can get outside and walk the dog or take a break or whatever. And my setup is uh people on my team will laugh. It's it's pretty um it's pretty simple. You know, I I have a um a iPad that I work from most of the time, believe it or not. Huh. But we have we have great technology. Um, generally, so I can get into anything um, remotely from where I am. This has been a great test for our for our technology. <laughs> Nothing like a good crisis to hone your technology skills. So, <laughs> indeed, Zoom or what are you using? Oh well, we use a lot of Zoom, okay. and and that's been um, really fantastic for us. Um, the team we're extraordinarily productive as a team, and. Um, I think interactions with clients have been really great. It's been somewhat surprising. You know, when we first when we first took everything um, to the kind of work work from home setup, I was really worried about it. And um, I was worried about our, our team. I was worried about the culture. We have such a tight knit culture. I just thought, how is this going to ever work? And I have to say, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I think some of this is permanent paradigm shift for our yeah. industry, for sure. When you mentioned with uh, Zoom, so I, I assume that's going to be client meetings as well. 
Uh, mm-hmm. How's that working out? And have you, have you had to do some hand-holding when it comes to getting people used to the technology? Well, you know, it's really interesting. So at LVW, we have a business, which is, I think you know, it's um, institutional clients, sure. like not-for-profits, and then families, um, mm-hmm. family offices. And so a lot of times you have multiple decision makers. And one of the most amazing things about this technology and using it effectively is there are some committee and board members or family members that, you know, it might be a distant family member that's involved or a board member that lives in Europe. They're never in the room. They're always on audio. And so you're able to actually see them. And in a strange, unexpected way, it allows you to kind of bond with clients where there are multiple decision makers because everybody can be in the room, so to speak. So in mm-hmm. seeing the nonverbals, it's, it's been um, pretty, um, pretty effective uh, so far. Obviously, it's a fairly sophisticated group you're advising. Um, still, I, with a lot of advisors, the, the most important role they play at a time like this is the shrink, the psychiatrist. Right. So are you seeing fear? Are you seeing anxiety? And if so, what are you doing to try to mitigate that? Well, um, yes, there is fear and there is anxiety. And there, I think the, the only way you mitigate that is through a lot of conversations that are proactive, a lot of personal touches. Um, you know, we're working with clients with all of their financials, you know, the entire balance sheet, navigating, you know, various government programs, conducting video, web-based calls, you know, frequent blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, in our business, we have two senior advisors, at least on every relationship because of the complexity around some of them and always a really efficient, seasoned operational person. And so I think those multiple touch points are helpful. And, and we've asked our operations people even to make proactive calls just to check in on clients and see how they're doing. Um, and I think making these touch points super personal beyond financial, like delivering food to family members that are elderly or working on planning issues that maybe got backburnered because of people's active schedules or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've had people say, you know, at least I, you know, I, I had to furlough everyone and my business stuttered, oh. but at least I'm working on things that are productive and make me think about the future. Um, I also think humor helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, all these stories and memes and everything going around. And, and I find, especially since we have such a big client base in New York City and then clients in LA, but New York City especially, you know, it's just been so hard hit. And so laughter and jokes and touch points and personal things that you know about someone just sharing with them um, helps. I also think, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say how old I am, but Having been through many crises and bear markets and economic recessions, clients have some comfort in knowing that, you know, maybe that experience is somewhat of a teacher and it gives you a kind of steadier hand. They need to hear it, you know, see it and uh, that kind of thing. So that brings up an interesting point, because on the one hand, we've all seen volatility before. On the other hand, (laughs) it's been caused by something different. So, So this is uh, an unusual situation. We don't, you know, how far it goes largely depends on what scientists and doctors can do uh, mm-hmm. and what we can do with masks and gloves and so forth. So mm-hmm. how do you explain the volatility? How do you put it into context for your clients? Well, we've uh, we've talked and written about a lot of this lately, but we obviously had a huge 
liquidation event in the fastest bear market in history. Yeah. Um, and when that happened, we did use that volatility to re-underwrite everything we owned. And remember, you know, it, it, it's at first we didn't know if we'd have any kind of intervention, what the intervention would look like between the Fed and the government. And so mm-hmm. we had to really focus on just kind of flying the plane, so to speak, and re-underwriting all the safe stuff and um, and telling people that's what we were doing, you know, and those actions, I think, um, required experience and a steady hand and discipline. But following that first bout of major volatility, um, we've had some of the biggest moves up historically. Right. So when we hit some of the lows, we did have to rebalance. And that was that was hard. It was really hard to do. Tell what's winning and then buy what's losing is uh. tough. And, you know, I, I said to, to um, the folks on our investment committee, I know today we, at one point, we rebalanced into small cap, which we've been largely out of, and it was really close to a really low point in the market. And I said, this feels so bad today. And I, I know from experience that when it feels like this, you know, if we can have a longer term time horizon, it's going to be the right decision. Our models, everything is telling us to do this. We need to do it, you know. It was it was really so Jay hard. Powell didn't tell you that he was going to buy uh, <laughs> high yield bonds and no. small cap markets. No, no, <laughs> we didn't get the uh, we didn't have the inside track on that. Um, <laughs> but you know, and then you you know, we last week. What do we have the best week since 1974 for the S and P? Yeah, and yeah, and putting that in context, you know, what I think you have to say to people is this is a bear market. Bear markets are volatile. We are likely, I can't, I don't know, but we're likely to retest the lows. So you have to be prepared and you have to keep, you know, re-underwriting and doing scenario analysis and talking to clients about more of a worst case, base case, best case scenario. And that's the only way. Nobody really knows where the bottom is. Nobody, this is the most unclear of all bear markets that I've lived through. So I mm. think I think we have to just do a tremendous amount of work and put things in perspective and not manage for some possibility that is yeah. crazy, right? This let's be pragmatic and, you know, use judgment and experience. And it, it it's volatility is not gone, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> I, think yeah. I think it's coming back. <laughs> it's interesting that way. So what what is the most common question yet you get from clients? Uh, well, the, the questions have changed from sure. like the phase one crisis of are my assets safe? Is my defensive stuff really defensive? What about the banking system too, which is largely, I believe, a non-issue now. But now it's more about how long is this going to last and how deep will the recession be and how bad do you think earnings are? How bad is unemployment? How do you factor all this into what you're doing? Where are the opportunities, which is good to hear from some people? Um, Will we have debt-based inflation? How do we get out of all of this money printing? Um, You get a lot of questions from your clients. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, when you have institutional clients and private clients, some of them are very sophisticated and some of them are professional investors. But we have a network of people who are clients who are also professional investors. So Mm -hmm. we're managing the rest of whatever they do. Maybe they run a hedge fund or real estate or whatever. So people are asking a wide ranging questions. And then there's just the things about navigating, you know, various government programs and, um, you know, good companies figuring out how they're going to exist for, you know, some months without revenue or with diminished revenue. So we're, we're kind of feeling like, 
you know, we're playing the role that we usually do. It's just much more complicated and it's, it's a lot of work in dealing with kind of all the, the uncertainty. So I, I think maybe I should ask you a few of those investing questions, but before yeah. we do that, I just want to get to, um, all on behalf of listeners, that is, uh, not yeah. personally, um, but, but I do want to just ask a little bit more about how you're, you know, working with the team uh, from a distance. And I'm sure, as you said, you travel so much, you've done that before, but anything different this time, any lessons you've learned or any changes maybe you've implemented in the past month as a result of uh, everybody working from home? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think you have to have structure around this. So we have a great chief operating officer who literally took, she took us from a full staff to a skeletal crew in less than 24 hours. And it Mm. seems seamless to me. So I have to give her a ton of credit for just having the systems in place and the technology and the leadership that she's shown around people. So we have subgroup meetings every day. We have daily investment committee meetings, which we've never had. Uh, I suppose that goes without saying. Um, We have bi-weekly full LVW meetings. And as I said earlier, I get to see everyone. And and I think that's been great. Uh, And we've gotten feedback from our staff that, you know, usually we're traveling. They never see us. and We never Mm -hmm. see each other all together. So I think that that's something more permanent or fundamental that I've learned. And I've learned that you can have a tighter net culture in the cloud, so to speak, or wherever we are. Sure. Um, but um, I think that team connectivity is really important. Um, so we're doing a lot of, you know, things outside of just working. We're trying to do things for people like, you know, if we have a lunch meeting or something, giving them, you know, uh, getting Grubhub or whatever it is, or, you know, training. You asked me about marathon training. I've been mm-hmm. virtually training with someone for four years who's in New York City, and I'm oh, traveling wow. all the time. He's doing a the group training session tomorrow with with some of the team. We've done yoga. We've done all kinds of things that um, you know have been kept the team together. And uh, and I guess the big takeaway for me has been um, you can have a great culture even without seeing each other every day. Let's get to the investment side of things. Um, just from the from the biggest picture possible, the macro picture. When you are asked. So where are we in all this market turmoil? Are we going to be retesting the lows? I mean, I suspect you don't have a crystal ball, but I suspect you, you at least have an answer. What do you tell people? Yeah, it's it's a tough question to answer. I, I do feel just based on experience that we'll retest or we'll, we'll retrace some of this mm-hmm. for sure when we get whacked in the face with what earnings really look <laughs> like here, right? Yeah, um, and I, don't, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to retest the low we saw, you know, whatever it was, you know, 2,200 or a little bit lower. Um, on you know, the S&P. <laughs> yeah, on the S&P. Uh, from, from our experience, um, we've been positioning, you know, clients for a late, stage, you know, cycle for, for a while, for the last few years, if, if you look at what we've been saying, not ever contemplating this, who did, Sure. you know, but we went into it thinking, okay, um, we're, we're well positioned, we have enough liquidity, et cetera. But we went into this as a, as a country with corporate sector with a ton of debt, not enough liquidity, um, Lots of buybacks happening, all the triple B problem that everybody's focused on now, including Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of that's unwound, not all of it, though. And so I think there's more pain to come because what the Fed is doing is 
is needed, I believe, but it's, it's the first phase. And the second, it's kind of a blunt instrument. Even when you're throwing a lot of money at something, um, it's still not, there's so many, so many nuanced things that, um, that will occur. And there are so many complex credit structures that are going to be unwound. So I think it's um, really, we've gone beyond the crisis crisis point. And now it's, uh, I'm not going to say garden variety bear market, but kind of feels like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, staying disciplined and focused and rebalancing more. If we get another opportunity, I'll call it, if we retest yeah. lows, um, we might add more beta, so to speak. Um, but, but right now we're just, we're managing through this. We don't know, you know, how long this bear market will be. Um, and I can't tell you whether it's a V, a U, or whatever. The <laughs> you don't have a letter for me? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't. <laughs> I have a judgment on it, though. So I think that, you know, we want if we do retest the lower breakthrough, we would certainly be rebalancing. But we're really staying focused on areas of opportunity and skill right now, which we can talk about. Yeah, I want to get to those. But first, I need to ask about the Lori Van Dusen metric. Um, <laughs> there is a freight train rail going through Rochester. And the length of that, um, the number of cars sometimes tells you something about the economy. What have you been seeing in recent weeks? Wow, I can't believe you remembered that. Yeah, <laughs> and it came up. It was a joke in an interview because we have an office that sits almost on a train track, and it's just freight train traffic. And I joked, I think, at one point that the economy was picking up because I was hearing a lot of freight train traffic. And I mean, it's so loud. But it turned to out to be correct. It turned out to be correct. So so I will say, now that you've asked me that, I hadn't really thought about it, that I do have a skeletal crew of great people who are at the office willingly, and, and we talk, they're on our investment committee calls every day, and I have not heard one freight train, now that I think about it. So I, I think that's not a good sign. I don't know. Yeah, not a big uh, surprise. But, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, occasionally dipping in. Um, where are you finding opportunities? Small caps you mentioned. Uh, and anything else that maybe looks more attractive now than it, than it did six weeks ago? Yeah, I, I definitely think we reached some kind of a seminal moment in credit. And uh, we have been largely out of all kinds of credit for quite a while. And um, I think that we have an opportunity here with skilled credit managers um, to really probably make some money. Um, I, I, again, I think the Fed is kind of using, you know, what they can and doing what they can, but there is going to be distress and distress here. And I think depending on, um, the balance sheet, you know, it's kind of the same thing, like in small companies, um, there are some great small companies that are financially in great shape, relatively Mm -hmm. speaking. And like every recession, they're going to come out of the stronger and the the weaker leveraged competitors are going to go away. So I think it's stock picking there. It's not right now just general beta, just general adding, but it's stock pickers. And uh, fortunately, I feel like we have a great network of those folks that are invested in um, really interesting areas. So it's adding there because there will be winners and losers. And I think in credit, um, there's just been some super complex structures created by private equity and kind of the non-banking sector that's going to get unwound, I think. And so I think it's going to take liquidity, skill, experience um, to work through good companies with bad balance sheets. So I think the opportunities are definitely in credit and in 
not generally just going and investing, but in skilled credit. And I think in stock picking right now, um, unless things get a lot cheaper, which which is possible. <laughs> um, so, and there's some inter- in- interesting industries. There's there's a lot of things that um, always come out of these. Not that we've been through something like this, but we've been through enough crises, and there are always paradigm shifts and fundamental changes and things that you would never contemplate that occur. And so that's one of the reasons why we have investment committee meetings every day. We're constantly talking to managers and our network of professional investors and clients. And, you know, the Fed keeps throwing another, you know, tool in the toolbox or something else at us. So we're constantly re-underwriting. And um, but I think the general theme is skill, uh, inefficient areas like small cap. Um, leverage structures being unwound, you know, there are opportunities around all of that. So it sounds as uh, clearly you're, you're talking about active management here. Have you found yourself moving more active in this crisis or were you always pretty much focused on active management? We're moving more active and we've always, we've always thought it was somewhat, you know, in if markets are cheap, I mean, having really simple passive structures makes sense. And, um, you know, at this point, though, I think if you think about some of the things that have just happened in the last several weeks, we were investors, for example, with managers that were focused in enterprise software, the SaaS space, right? And you Which think was about doing these, very well. Yeah. Was doing very well, but we had walked into it and we added to the, that space with those managers in April. Okay. We, um, you know, companies, these aren't recommendations, but all the companies we know, like DocuSign and Everbridge. Twilio. And, you know, you think about what's happening and how, you know, technology, if, if you didn't think this was important before, um, <laughs> probably know it now, but also, sure. you know, managers that are in the emerging tech space. So some of these companies I just met, uh, mentioned are mature, you know, relatively speaking, but there's also all this emerging technology. You think around about, you know, telemedicine and robotic technologies that we were investing in, but now more heavily because some of the regulatory, um, you know, barriers have just been dropped. So it's really interesting, um, really interesting environment where there will be some, you know, uh, paradigm shifts and changes and opportunities. But I think just generally um, skilled credit, skilled equity, things that we were in small cap already investing in. Now we're, we've just accelerated more investment there. And then um, in credit, we're kind of back doing things that were not interesting for the last several years. And we're funding, um, we're funding some of the stuff from passive areas. So are these, are these any 40 Act funds or it's all managers uh, for, for qualified investors? I, there's a combination. Okay. I mean, there's a combination because our client base is, you know, we have, family members and smaller clients as well as larger clients. So we have to have solutions for all. But I think the general theme is, um, you know, being careful, um, investing with experience and, um, you know, skill is, is super important here. Gotcha. What are you avoiding? Anything in the market that still either looks overpriced or uh, just doesn't look attractive right now? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think it's more about, um, some of the industries that are just kind of clearly on their heels where you really want to be stock picking and you don't mm-hmm. want to be in there just generally buying energy, for example, because right. you think it's cheap. Um, I, I think, you know, if you look at some of these sectors that have really just blown up and the baby has been thrown out with the bathwater as if 
you know, we're never going to have any advertising anymore or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's there's selective things to invest in, but I wouldn't just go in and um, just generally invest in certain industries. I guess I would say that. And okay. certainly not leverage structures. I just don't see the point. There are enough opportunities right now without slapping leverage on things. So you, you certainly mentioned uh, you're seeing opportunities in credit, but um, other than, I, I guess, going a li- little bit farther up the risk curve, are there other changes you've made in terms of your fixed income portfolios? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I think investment grade credit got more attractive here, right? Even mm-hmm. with the intervention, it um, was crazy. Kind of that was the first part of a liquidation phase where everyone was selling anything that they could get a bid on. And then we had, you know, all this support of these different markets, but still they have not come back to the degree that you would have thought they may have. So investment grade credit is still very attractive. Investment grade munis, which I do not believe will be allowed to fail. And so, Mm -hmm. you you know, an A-rated muni at almost 3% seems pretty attractive. Especially, Um, yeah, if you're in a high enough tax bracket, that's really attractive. And maybe going higher. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) So, Um, yeah. What about alts? Uh, did you ever dabble in alts? Are you looking more at them now or not? It's so it's it's kind of a funny question because I I would guess I would say I was an early adopter in 1993. Oh wow! <laughs> then it, okay. Then it was just convertible arbitrage. That was that was an alternative investment. Um, but but now um, yeah we do a lot of um, alternative investments. I guess you would call them. I really just think about. Uh, what I said earlier, skill in various structures. So is it private or public? Is it a hedge fund structure? It's just a legal structure. But um, alternatives to me mean the ultimate diversification, which is skill, which shouldn't have a high correlation to general markets. So Mm -hmm. skill and credit, and that can be, you know, I, I think senior credit, is, is super attractive right now. Um, managers that we've invested with for years that are raising funds. And then I do think we're going to have a distress cycle. So we're looking really carefully at doing, um, you know, possibly funding um, a couple distress managers here. It's hard to know how this is all going to play out, but it certainly seems there are going to be winners and losers. And as said earlier, there's some really complex structures that have been created. Um, and they need to be unwound. So I think that um, we're definitely you'll, you'll be there ready to uh, provide the liquidity, huh? We're we're thinking, <laughs> you know, we're we're going carefully, but I think it's an opportunity that we haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, one more investment question, sparked by something you said earlier, the clients were asking about um, whether all this debt would lead to inflation. Uh, what's your answer there, and then how are you preparing for that? Oh my gosh, I wish I had an answer to that. <laughs> I I you know I think it's kind of seems, you know, people were saying this post-2008, too. For years and years, right? That inflation that we all expected, and it just hasn't come. However, you know, I think it all really depends on how we grow out of this, or if we grow out of it, and, and what things look like a few years from now. So one of the things I said earlier today, we were talking in our investment committee call, and I said, you know, it's kind of that that particular question is on our, you know, our on our agenda every week, you know, to talk to different people and try to figure out, you know, what can we do in portfolios to really protect against some kind of debt-based inflation? And and I don't have an answer yet, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think gold is, you know, a lot of people say gold, I don't yeah. necessarily think that's the practical way to do it. 
Bitcoin? Uh, <laughs> it might be. You know, we yeah. have look, we have younger advisors and um, younger uh, people that sit on a research group, and they think we're crazy for not making an investment yet. And I think there's something to be said for you know, really looking at it seriously as, you know, it is, it, it is a real thing. And um, I think especially now looking at it ser- seriously. So I'll, I'll let you know when I have a better answer for that. <laughs> uh, you'll hear from me. Uh, I, I got so many more questions, but I think we do need to wrap it up. I know you've got uh, clients to get back to uh, and so do our listeners. So thank you so much, Lloyd. I, I learned a lot. This is really interesting. Thank you so much. It was really a, a pleasure to do it anytime. Uh, I hope listeners will also tune in to Barron's Roundtable, our new show on Fox Business, every Friday at 10 p.m. And make sure you don't miss our live call on Friday with Capital Group to discuss, is it too late to bolster fixed income portfolios? Uh, I'm Jack Otter. Thanks again, Lori, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more.